Hi everybody! Welcome back to another episode of Time Out with Taco What's Next. I'm your host, Danielle Berman, and I am the founder of C- and CEO of Taco What's Next, where we work to change the narrative around life after sports. And tonight we're going to talk to Ivy Watts. I'm so excited to have her here on the show. She is a former All-American student athlete who, while appearing to have it all together while she was in school, like she graduated summa cum laude and was a top 30 finalist for NCAA Women of the Year award. On the inside, she really struggled with anxiety, self-worth, and even depression. So after finally seeking help, um, Ivy promotes mental wellness and is a mental health certified first aid, excuse me, mental health first aid certified. And she really works today to reduce stigma around mental health by sharing her story, which we love at Talk About Sex. That's what we really aim to do. She's a public speaker and her blog, Beautifully Simply You, is another outlet for her to share. She empowers others to speak their truths and to know that they are not alone. And she focuses on learning how to love yourself and find the strength to keep fighting for the tomorrow and the next day. Uh, she's an author. She wrote the book, You Are Worth Fighting For, to help you find find tools for mental wellness, self-care, and self-love. And she has her undergrad in psychology from the University of New Haven, her master's in public health from Boston University, and she's talked to and empowered over 50,000 students, administrators, coaches, parents, employees, all of these folks to practice mental wellness for themselves and for other people. She's been a great supporter of us here at Tackle What's Next. Some of those 50,000 have been some of our uh, event attendees, I hope. Um, And uh, she's been a part of several conversations around mental health and wellness for athletes specifically. So I really appreciate her always being willing to share her story, her insights with our community. And I'm excited to catch up with her today. So I see she's here. I'm going to bring her up on the screen and we're going to get this conversation started. So thanks everybody for tuning in and uh, let's get Ivy up here. No, you're good. You're good. Hey, it's live. So we figure it out as we go along, you know. <laughs> How are you? Good. Good. How are you? Good to it's see you. Great to see you. Uh, thank you again for joining us tonight. Um, I just read your bio. And again, I'm just like so inspired by the work you do and the fact that you really specifically talk to athletes, but really everyone about mental health. It's so awesome. So I'm just excited to have you here and and share your story starting from the beginning. So thanks for taking the time. Yeah, of course. I'm excited. Awesome. Well, let's start from the beginning. Why don't we? Can you tell me about that first sports experience and how did you get from that point to track and field and really focusing in on that? Yeah. So I feel like my parents put me in everything. So I did like softball or t-ball and uh, basketball and soccer. And, you know, I started track early as well. Um, And I I stayed with soccer for a while, but I felt like track was the one thing that I found a lot of joy in and I was good at. Um, Mm -hmm. And I remember in middle school once I was like running outside, you know, chasing friends or whatever. And the principal was like, oh, you should run track. You're really fast. I'm like, oh, yeah, I do. And that was around the time that I started to get um, more serious with it. So yeah, I just really loved, um, you know, being able to to get out there and run fast. It was a good outlet for me. 
Yeah, and and it sounds like outside of being an outlet, you were really good at it. But it, would you notice now today, and the person you are, and the decisions you've made in life, has whether it's track and field or any of the other sports you played, do you see the impact that it's made on you? And if so, like what are some of those things that you recognize you learn from sports or that kind of shaped you from sport? Yeah, definitely. I think sports teaches you so much. I mean, I definitely learned about right hard work ethic and perseverance and what it means to be part of a team and being a leader on a team and having so many different personalities and um, having to solve conflicts, especially when you're a leader. I think that's been helpful um, in my workplace experiences after after leaving sports. Um, and, you know, just a couple of things stand out to me. My coach would always say to us, you know, you've, you've got to slow down to speed up. And it always sounds mm -hmm. so counterintuitive with track, but it whenever I did listen to that, I always ended up running faster. And so I apply that to life as well. It's just slowing down and how things just come into place in that sense. Um, and then really just the other one that he would always say is you've always, you've already done all the work. Now it's time just to perform. Mm -hmm. And so just reminding yourself, right? Like you've done the work, you've put in the hard work and now it's time just to show up and to show all the things that you've done. So I apply a lot of the lessons I learned um, in sport, but track particularly to my life. Yeah, I really love that because I think a lot of times people think you got to get there first. You got to be doing everything as quickly as possible. Um, and so I really love that first point about like sometimes you have to slow down to get where you need to go. And I've experienced it. I'm sure everyone listening and everyone who will tune in has experienced when you rush, you make a big mistake and you're like, God, if I only just like stopped and like looked at what I was doing, yeah, even like yeah. emails, right? You're like, God, I said it too fast. I was just trying to get off my list. So I, I appreciate that. And and obviously, you know, just the, the opportunity to like put all that preparation together into a final product. I'm sure in the work you do now, mm -hmm. just like all those rehearsals and practices and putting that speech together to kind of like hit that final thing. Right. Um, you know, that's a great metaphor for anyone that has to speak or present publicly mm -hmm. is like the, the work you've put in. Now you just got to execute. So exactly. uh, I love I love those. Um, and I wanted to talk because in the intro and in, in your bio and on your website, you talk about how like it seems like outside in college, you're running mm -hmm. track and field, you're graduating summa cum laude, like everything's going great for you, right? Like, how could anything not be great? You're doing it all. Uh, and you talked about like, you really thought you know, everyone from the outside, they had it all together, but really you were struggling with anxiety and self-worth issues. Can you tell me a little bit about what that was like and and how did you navigate that time? Because I think a lot of people could probably relate to on the outside having all these things going for them, but struggling really with themselves, you know, internally. Yeah, definitely. So I struggled like that my entire life, mostly. I mean, definitely because of the stigma, I believed so much that if I talked about what I was going through, I would be labeled as weak. And growing up, I always had a perfectionist mindset. So I was like, well, I can't have the world label me as weak. <laughs> And then especially being in sports where, right, the you have to be strong, right? That's the message. You have to be strong. Suck it up. Like, that's what you're constantly hearing from coaches and teammates and family members and fans or whoever. And so it's like, okay, well, I can't talk about what I'm going through. So it was really this internal conflict. And I, I think at the time as well, the resources were so different. The conversation was non-existent around mm -hmm. mental health. And so I didn't even know who I could turn to. I didn't feel like I had that safe place, um, especially because of the stigma and because being in sport with my coach, I just never felt like I could 
talk about what I was going through because I was afraid how that would impact, you know, our relationship or my ability to stay on the team or scholarship and all of these things. So it was this internal conflict that I was struggling so deeply in silence, but I was able to, you know, just still, I still had like athletic performances that were really great, or I still was able to, you know, do well academically. But for me, I felt like I was always falling short because of that perfectionist mindset. I just felt like it was never good enough. And it did create this negative persona within myself where I had a lot of negative self-talk and that just led to more anxiety and, you know, ultimately depression. Um, And so it, it was, it's like a lot of times we do, we walk around with this, you know, outer mask that we tell the world that we're okay. We even respond to a, how are you? And we could be feeling terrible. We could have just cried 15 minutes ago. And, you know, we say, oh, we're great. It's the best day ever, you know? And, you know, we, so many of us do that. Um, but it only does make your struggle go on for longer because you're not facing what's really going on and just kind of pushing it off as insignificant. Mm-hmm. And I think the other thing that you, you mentioned and is that sometimes the, you might know that something's wrong, but not know where to go or who to talk to. And I think now that's slowly changing and I think we still have a long way to go, but I think in, in, for many people, it can be, who do I tell? Who do I talk to? Who do I trust with this information? Especially for athletes, like you said, like, I would love to talk to my coach, but does that mean they're not going to let me compete anymore? Am I going to be sidelined? Mm -hmm. Is someone going to take my spot? So, you know, I think sport has this next man up mentality. And it's like, unless it's like falling off of you or bleeding or, you know, you know, Mm -hmm. you can't walk, you're out there doing it. And I think, again, we're slowly chipping away at some of these stereotypes, but you know, it's a, it's a big piece of the puzzle. I think of one becoming comfortable with yourself to actually admit that, yeah, something's not right here. But then two, like you said, that piece of now, what, now who do I go to? I think we have put a lot of information out there now and awareness. And now I think Mm -hmm. we have that hurdle of, okay, like now what can people do about it? Um, I think that's a societal issue, not just a sports issue, but you know, I think that's a, that's a huge piece of the puzzle. So, so tell us like, what did you do? And, and I I also want to note that at this point also, it seems like you're also leaving college sports, right? So you're kind of navigating like, all right, I need to figure out how do I solve some of these problems, but also I'm totally changing my routine and my life. So can you walk me through, what that was like in terms of the process of all right i'm no longer competing in collegiate track and field that's changing everything how did you navigate that and did finding support on the mental health side help you navigate that yeah no definitely the transition was something that i couldn't have expected i spent a lot of time pouring my self-worth into athletics and my self-worth into the goals that i had and so once I no longer was an athlete, I didn't feel like I had an identity anymore. And I really struggled with that. And I think that only added to the mental health struggles that I was having. And again, didn't have an outlet. And I just remember it just was, it was just so draining and difficult for me to kind of figure out like who, who is Ivy, especially when I didn't even like the Ivy that I knew as an athlete, right? So it was really this, this conflict and this struggle. Um, and so, you know, finding therapy was, was really huge for me. And, you know, I am so grateful that I had a friend who just told me about her struggle. She was also a track athlete and she was really open. And that was a big push for me to start breaking down some of the stigma that I believed and to finally get me that help. And, you know, therapy was huge for me to, to work through a lot of the anxiety that I'd spent struggling with in silence, even before being an athlete um, and just really learning tools for self-care and self-love. 
And also it just really helped me to start pushing myself outside of my comfort zone in finding my identity. So I remember I signed myself up for like a glass blowing class and a pottery class and like things that I'm not good at. I'm not going to have a career in, but there were things that just allowed me to challenge myself and to set a goal like I would in athletics and to be able to set that goal, which at the time I was really struggling with just social anxiety and talking to people and like doing those things on my own and seeing that I could talk to people and that like I was a cool person. Right. And so being able to just like challenge myself and like have a goal and accomplish that goal was a really great way for me just to feel like reconnected to myself and to see that it doesn't I don't have to pour my identity into things and I don't have to do activities just because I'm good at them. I can do activities because they make me feel good or I have fun doing them. And so that was really helpful just to start coming back to the Ivy I had lost, you know, a long time ago. Oh, my gosh, that's such a great, great story. And I think it's really important for people to understand the key of, I think we're also learning it, like you don't have to love everything you do or be amazing at everything you do. You could do something just for fun. I think we've like lost in our society, like the ability to like go out and just like do something for no productive reason at all, like just because you want to do it. Uh, and I, I think that seems like it really helped you just further explore like oh this was fun and also if it didn't go well you weren't like well now nah, i have no value to offer mm -hmm. anyone or like i'm no longer mm -hmm. who i think i am it's just like okay it didn't go well all good i enjoyed the experience like i think those are so important and we don't give ourselves enough time to just like play and explore mm -hmm. especially as we get older it's like well what's your career what's your mm -hmm. track like there's so much pressure mm -hmm. the older you get to like have it all figured out but then we realize in reality, like no one has it all figured out. So we're all putting pressure on ourselves that other people are, we think other people need us to do this. But right. I, I love that you right. took that time. And I'm sure it wasn't easy. I'm sure it took a lot of motivation mm -hmm. and like, you know, pump, punching yourself up like, all right, we're going to go do this. It's yeah. going to be great. And I'm sure you didn't want to go. And then once you went, you probably felt better. But it's it's the, the courage that it takes to like put yourself mm -hmm. out there and do those things. Um, how how did you decide to take what you were doing for yourself and like channel it into, well, I want to help others find yeah. this opportunity for themselves. Like, how did you get into the speaking and sharing your story? Can you walk me through where that came in? And it's amazing what you do. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So, you know, once I finally was able to start getting help and, and learning tools and working through and, and really finding the power of my voice and seeing it wasn't a sign of weakness, it was a sign of, of strength and that, I wasn't alone. Uh, I think a lot of times when I was struggling, I felt very alone. Like I said, I didn't feel like I had an outlet. I felt really stuck in that problem. Once I was able to see that I wasn't stuck and I wasn't alone, I just wanted other people to start feeling those same positive benefits that I was feeling. Cause I knew there was teammates that I had that when I look back, I can see that they were also struggling, but again, we didn't talk about it. And so I just knew that there were other people who were struggling like I was and who felt alone and felt ashamed to talk about what they were going through. And so I was like, how can I use my story, even though it was a struggle and painful, how can I use my story to help somebody else and for them to get the help that, they need um, and to really empower them to, to use their voice and their story um, to really work through their challenges. And so I started blogging, um, which my blog, I still blog, Beautifully Simply You. And it was great at first, but like it was just like my family and like really close friends who were reading it. Like, that's awesome. But I really wanted <laughs> I really wanted to make a, a, a wider mm -hmm. impact. And I really wanted to work, especially with athletes, like just knowing the pressures and expectations on athletes and having that experience myself, which only you know added to the mental health struggle. And so, you know, it was really out of my comfort zone. Um, but again, in like the theme of challenging myself and finding new identities, I 
reached out to a former, my high school athletic director, and just kind of asked to spend 15 minutes with their student athletes about mental health. And from there, it just kind of blossomed into something bigger than I could have ever imagined it to be. And speaking across the country to student athletes and coaches and administrators about taking care of themselves and self-care and Mm -hmm. self-love, the power of positivity, but then also how they can make a difference for someone else and breaking the stigma and recognizing warning signs and conversations that they can have. And and all of those things. So it's it's been an incredibly beautiful experience to just connect with so many people. And I just see now the difference of things I wish I had when I was struggling. All of these student athletes who are now wanting to make a difference mm-hmm. and are openly talking about their struggle and destigmatizing mental health. Like I just, I think about how that could have been so impactful for me if I had seen someone else talking about their story. So it's it's huge what what's going on in the mental health world. Oh, yeah. And- And you're such a big part of it, I think, from the blog and speaking, and then also, you know, you wrote a book, right? So you're you're further putting this out in different messages. And I know you've had some entrepreneurial endeavors outside of your speaking career, too. Um, And I wanted to, to focus on that really quickly, because you did build something and you ended up pivoting away from it. And I think it takes a lot of courage and acceptance and Mm -hmm. understanding as an entrepreneur to know when you've put what you can into it and when it's time to step back so can you talk about how you've come up with these different things like you're writing a book you're opening speaking business did you know how to do this did you did you learn how to do these things from from mentors and then how can you just how did you decide to walk away from that one business like what what came to your mind a big question so feel free to break (laughs) it down but just love to know your process Yeah, no, so I didn't really know um, much of what I was doing. Um, I did take a couple of courses on like how to build like a presentation and and what's the best like way to deliver that. Um, So that was really helpful. At the time I was working full time and I had two work from home days that I was able to be a little flexible and that was really helpful too. (laughs) Um, Hopefully no supervisors on here. (laughs) (laughs) but no it was just it was just really good for me to just be able to start you know building up some of that experience and and learning more about having your own business my dad was really helpful with like the financial part of it all um but no i i didn't really know what i was doing and with writing a book i mean i wanted to kind of take the work i do a step further because i know that you know the work around your mental health doesn't just occur in the one hour that me as a speaker or another speaker or a mental health game or event it, it happens outside of all of that when a student athlete's in their dorm or you know at home or whatever um so the book is really to build off of the tools that you know i talk about in, in my presentations to help folks to build their own tools for their own unique journey around mental health and, and self-care um, and so they can really you know look at reflection questions and prompts and journals and to really build off of those tools and to, to have their own you know unique toolkit for their yeah. self-care um, so important that's awesome yeah yeah. Um, so I kind of so and, and with the book, uh, you know, I'll shout out my my book doula. He's somebody who like helps people birth birth their books. Um, Gio DeRice, he was really helpful in just like the process of writing a book and and the publication and everything like that. So I have had some mentors and resources along the way. I haven't been completely blind, but it it was just I had a, a goal and a dream and you know, when you have the passion behind it and the work ethic that you learn from being a student athlete behind it, um, right? Like anything is, is truly possible. Um, yeah. And so with Athlete Minds Matter, right? So I started this business, which again, was kind of building off the work I do in my presentations, was aimed to be a one-stop shop toolkit for student athletes to have all their tools around mental health in one place. Um, I had a team, I had four um, 
former student athletes that I was working with and it was going really well. And then my mom got really, really sick. Um, and then she eventually passed away and I had to really just make a decision for myself because, you know, with the work that I do, I'm preaching for folks to practice self care and to take a step back if it becomes overwhelming and to avoid burnout. And I was pretty much doing all the opposite things while not allowing myself to grieve. And so I, kind of just channeled what my mom would have said to me, right? And it was just a, it was a huge decision, uh, but I, I had to to take a step back. And I think it was the best thing that I could have done um, to be able to just pour into my mental health and my self-care and um, to know that there are so many other organizations that are doing great work around mental health. And I'm still part of the puzzle. It just, I, you know, wasn't able to keep up with, with that particular part of it. Um, you know, and then at, shortly after I, became a mom and you know I'm a full-time stay-at-home working mom so you know just like right that just kind of you know, kind of have to manage your priorities and what's yeah. what's most important and it's not an easy decision to make but I think I'm a true believer that you know things will work out and you know things happen for a reason and so um, it was it was a hard decision but it was the right decision to do to, to focus on myself and my mental health yeah and thank you for sharing that because i think i think a lot of people when they start something there is this fear of like failure again like i can't fail i can't stop i can't yeah. walk away um and of course every situation is different and you know i think that's really important to understand but i really love that you thought about okay well what am i telling other people to do and am i doing that for myself because i think sometimes we forget about us at the end of the day we, we do everything for everyone and then we go oh yeah well i didn't eat lunch today but i'm glad i you know made sure everybody else had time for their lunch meeting or made sure my daughter got right. fed or made sure you know whatever right. um so it's important i think to to understand that and i would also say that, you know, I, I always like to say like the vehicle changes, mm -hmm. but like the destination's mm -hmm. the same. So like, mm -hmm. yes, you had put a lot of time and effort into this business, but like mm -hmm. you're still doing work towards your goal. And I think mm -hmm. a lot of people get locked into like the details and the name and the logo and all this stuff. But like you said, you're working with so many organizations and teams and, and or, you know, just individuals that may not have signed on to this business idea, but have had you come through and speak or bought your book or read mm -hmm. your blog. So I think a lot of people get hung up on like the, the specifics, like I'm a business owner and I have 10 employees and right. the look and feel of entrepreneurship. And it can look so many different ways and it, it, mm -hmm. it's going to change a million times right. before you figure out what works. So I appreciate mm -hmm. you sharing that because I think yeah. not enough entrepreneurial like failure stories are out there. Mm -hmm. We hear a lot about like the crazy success stories of these people. Mm -hmm. And I think it's great that you're able to share a story of, you know, something that that changed, mm -hmm. not necessarily in a bad mm -hmm. way or a good way, but right. just it wasn't right for the moment. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Course. Well, before we go, because we're getting short on time here, um, I want to talk about, you've, you've mentioned a bunch of things that have helped you, um, but I want to talk about specifically around mental health. You talk to athletes all over the place, so I'm not going to have folks kind of get a preview of your talk and get all the good juicy secrets, <laughs> but if there's one thing, one piece of advice you would give to any athlete out there who might be feeling similarly to you and, and when you were in college of like, man, there's a lot of good things happening, but for some reason, like, I'm just really struggling with, it could be anxiety, could be self-worth, maybe it is depression. Like, what would one piece of advice you would give to that person just to start thinking differently or to, to get help, to seek that help that maybe they are afraid to do? Is there one thing you could share with that person? Yeah, um, I think I hear so often, you know, you know, my struggle is insignificant 
based versus what someone else is going through or what's happening in the world. And I think the biggest thing I could say is that your struggle is important and matters just because you know you matter, your, your story matters, your voice matters, um, and that you don't have to wait for your struggles to get really big, really overwhelming, get to a point where you know you can't get out of bed, you're you're severely depressed. Um, for you to be able to get the help that you need. If you're having a bad day, if you're feeling overwhelmed by all the demands on your plate, you can talk to somebody about it. You can talk to a friend. You can reach out to a professional. You can talk to your coach about it. But just knowing that you can talk about it, you don't have to wait, and you're not stuck in your pain. Uh, and the other thing is just knowing that you have you have the strength and tools within you to keep working through these challenges, to keep putting that one foot in front of the other, and to know you have the resources around you as well, and that there's always someone even if your brain's telling you that there isn't someone there is always someone who wants to help you through your struggle well i don't think anyone could have said it better so that was a great piece of advice thank you ivy um before we go i want to give folks a chance to learn where can they find you get your book go hire you if they come to their school or to their organization um anything exciting coming up just give us kind of a snapshot of where people can find you and anything you want to plug here before we sign off yeah definitely um, so you can follow me here on Instagram, um, Ivy Watts Speaks. Um, my website is ivywattspeaks.com. You can get the book there. Um, you are worth fighting for. I will personally autograph it for you and send it out. You can also just get it on Amazon, but I, I, I don't know who buys it from Amazon, so I won't be able to give you the autograph. So if you care about that, go on my website. Um, yeah, and my blog, beautifullysimpleyou.com. I post about like once a month now um, if you're interested in that. And yeah, nothing really new on the horizon, just getting ready for um, a busy fall with speaking engagements and, you know, just busy being a mom to a toddler. So <laughs> I'm excited to get more into the maternal mental health space too one yep. day. So yeah. Well, it's like busy life with a toddler is like every waking moment of your day. So yes. I hope everything's going smoothly. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much, Ivy. We'll be sure to link to some of this in the notes. People can find it really easily as they tune in uh, later on. And um, really just appreciate you taking the time to share your story with us and again i know you've come on a few different events of ours so thanks for all your support mm -hmm. um and hey everybody if you haven't gotten the book if you haven't checked out the blog please do and uh if you are an administrator or you work at a university uh or an organization and mental health is important to you please contact ivy i am, can give her a glowing recommendation based on what <laughs> she's done with our audience so if you have questions feel free to reach out to me but ivy thanks for being here uh, we really appreciate your time yeah, thank you so much for the kind words and for continuing to work with me. I'm really excited about continued partnership. So appreciate you. Of course. All right, Ivy, thanks for tuning in. And everybody, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Awesome. Take Bye. care. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Time Out with Tackle What's Next. I hope you guys enjoyed the show and that you learned a lot from our awesome guests. Please don't forget, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast so we can reach even more incredible listeners just like you. And be sure to share with a friend who you think would love this conversation. A huge thank you to Axel Oldmark and Matthew Cahan from Team Tackle What's Next for their help editing this series. We'll see you next time for another Time Out with Tackle What's Next. Thank you.